In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, this morning, let me start with a story. It's a story about uh, a high school kid named Jake. And his story appeared in the New York Times Magazine a couple of years ago when I saw it. And it starts like this. The disintegration of Jake's life took him by surprise. It happened early in his junior year of high school while he was taking three AP classes, running on his school's cross-country team, and traveling to model UN conferences. It was a lot to handle, but Jake, the likable, hard-working, oldest sibling in a suburban North Carolina family, was the kind of teenager who handled things. Though he was not prone to boastfulness, the fact was he had never really failed at anything. Jake and his parents never saw it coming. The story goes on, Jake's parents knew that he could be high-strung. In middle school, they sent him to a therapist when he was too scared to sleep in his own room. But nothing prepared them for the day two years ago when Jake, then 17, seemingly ran 150 miles per hour into a brick wall, his mother said. He refused to go to school and curled up in the fetal position on the floor. I just can't take it, he screamed. You just don't understand. And Jake was right. His parents didn't understand. Jake didn't either. We'll hit pause on Jake just for a second. Today is our Youth Sunday here at St. Bartholomew's. And when we planned it way back last summer, we wanted all of our junior and senior high school youth uh, to be up front and center preaching and reading, leading our worship, leading music, ushering. But there is nobody here to ush today. And still, Bev, thank you, did bring our youth to us today, both virtually and in person, to sing, to read, to prepare the gifts at the altar, to do the children's homily, all the things that we do in worship. Because that's what this day is for. It is for recognizing our youth, recognizing the vital part that they are of our parish family. So, as I wrote this homily, I found myself writing to them. And my gift to the kids in the crowd is a promise to keep it short. So, you guys can time me. I am shooting for 12 minutes. But with the kids as my focus, and with the rest of us along for the ride, I want to work through two points. First, the malady... And secondly, the medicine. The malady and the medicine. First of all, the malady. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. In this passage from John's Gospel, it's part of uh, what we call Jesus' farewell discourse. Right after Judas leaves the Last Supper to go and betray Jesus to the authorities... And if you go back to the beginning of this big teaching section, this big section of John's Gospel, in chapter 13, Jesus 
actually defines his audience right at the beginning. He starts by calling the 11 disciples technia. Technia, it means little children. Technia, it's a term of endearment. It's a term of tenderness because these are his family. Jesus says, little children, I know. I know that you have troubled hearts. Back to Jake. Jake was a troubled heart, like us all, really. Jake was suffering. If you have never had debilitating anxiety, you have no idea how crippling this condition can be. Uh, Statistics say that anxiety has outpaced depression as the number one reason college students seek counseling. Back in 1985, the UCLA, University of California at Los Angeles, asked all their incoming freshmen whether they felt overwhelmed. And in 1985, which was the year that I started college, 18% said yes. By 2016, it was 41%. Hospital admissions for suicidal teens have doubled in the last decade. And all of these stats are all from before the pandemic, before safer at home, before 1.4 million cases and 800,000 U.S. deaths, before economic indicators not seen since the Great Depression. You see, for a lot of us, for Jake, for a lot of us, our malady or our sickness is not the coronavirus. It is anxiety. And of course we are anxious. Who wouldn't be anxious in a world that we live in after the tornadoes, after a derecho? Who knew that was a thing before last Sunday? Crumbling institutions in a warming climate. We've got racial injustice. Black kids being shot while they jog. Plague, pestilence, Florida has wildfires. Washington State has, I kid you not, murder hornets. And I still wish that I didn't know that was a thing. I'm convinced that when the first zombie shows up, that my oldest, uh, Elizabeth, will not be surprised. She'll just walk up and say, well, I figured you'd be along. Jake is anxious. Our kids are anxious. I'm anxious. And the disciples were anxious. Their whole world was wrapped up in Jesus, and now he was going away, being taken away from them. And all that they could imagine was failure, shame, and suffering. They were troubled hearts. But Jesus did not rebuke them for it. He didn't get angry. He didn't shout. He didn't judge them. Instead, He pulled them close and called them technia, dear little ones. And he wrote out a prescription. That's point two, the medicine. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So, to the disciples and to us, 
Jesus speaks a particular word as the medicine for our malady. And the, the, the word is pistuo, believe. It means have faith or, or believe. But another way to translate that word is trust. So just to annoy my children, let's do this in Latin. So Latin has three words for faith. I don't think I've said this here, but um, it has three words for faith. Noticia, ascensus, and fiducia. And they work like this. So noticia is the content of our faith. It's, it is what we know, the what of what we know. So, for example, uh, a chair. Like, uh, we know that there are things called chairs, that they exist, and that people sit in them. That is noticia, it's knowledge. It is the what of what we know about chairs. But a census is a little bit more. So a census is the conviction that what we know is actually true. So not only do we know that people can sit in chairs, but I believe I could sit in that chair and it could bear my weight. It's a different kind of faith. But fiducia is even more. More than knowledge or belief, fiducia is trust. It is betting on what I know, what I know that I believe, what I know about the chair. It is actually sitting down and feeling the chair bear me up, bear my weight. And here's my point. Jesus says knowledge and belief are not always enough. I can know all sorts of things about God. I can believe that Jesus loves everyone. But it's trust that does the trick. And all of us are trusting in something. Something to get us through plagues and past the murder hornets. Something just to get us through the night. For instance, secularism trusts science. Trust Dr. Fauci and the medical system. And I do. Thank God that they are there. I mean, save us from a world without Dr. Fauci's. But science only gets us so far. What about the person that a ventilator cannot save? Where does she take her faith, her fear? Or capitalism. Capitalism trusts the market. It's why the government gave us PPP, Paycheck Protection Program Loans, to get us through the lean times. But what if that's not enough? Man does not live by bread alone. Neither the yeasty kind of bread or the greenback kinds of bread. Most of you have no idea that we used to call bread money bread, but we did. So not capitalism, try socialism. Trust the Republicans or the Democrats or... Trust in individualism that says that you just do you. But be very sure that the you that you do is good enough, smart enough, fit enough, pretty enough, successful enough. Look, I'm a father. I'm a literal father to Elizabeth and Patrick and Flannery. I'm a spiritual father to our faith community at St. B's, and part of a father's job is to tell the truth. 
about the world to be sure that we've considered all the facts. And you guys have to consider all of the narratives, all of the isms, secularism, capitalism, socialism, liberalism, individualism, communitarianism, all of those. One reason I love the Episcopal Church so much is it, it carves out so much space for us to ask deep questions and even to harbor doubts. But a father's job at the end of the day is also to tell his children what he believes is true. The disintegration of Jake's life took him by surprise. It's how our story started. And it happened to me once upon a time. Be honest, it still happens now and again when some new wave comes crashing over me and I'm left just holding the wreckage in its wake. Guys like Jake, me, others, can find help in therapy, in medication, in a changed lifestyle or reordered priorities. And those are good. Those are good things. Healing comes from those things. But what if even that is not enough? What if there is a spiritual element to our anxiety? I trusted philosophy and reason. I mean, the more you know, right? I went to law school because maybe that was the answer. I trusted politics or in my career. I even thought that a wife and children would tell me who I am and what to do when life disintegrates around me. But standing here today, a father who loves his children, all I can tell you is that none of that held my weight. So by grace, I turn again and again to Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, I'll show you the way. He says, I am the way. He doesn't say, I'll tell you the truth. He says, I am truth. And Jesus doesn't offer you a perfectly manicured life. In fact, Jesus never says he'll give you a get-out-of-anxiety-free card. But when our anxious hearts grow troubled, Jesus is not angered. He doesn't reject us. Instead, he pulls us close. He calls us little children, technia, and he says, I, I am life. Let me be your life. In my experience, that is the only thing that I have found for my malady. The only medicine I've found is to trust. And so on this Youth Sunday, for our kids and for all of us, when you've considered all the facts and all of the isms, if they cannot bear your weight, Jesus remains. To all us troubled hearts, Jesus says, believe in God. Believe also in me. That's your invitation. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.